Hello, my name's Richard Moss, and I make a podcast called The Life and Times of Video Games. It's a narrative and documentary-style show about games' history and how the medium has evolved over time. Each episode or bonus interview soundbite delves into some aspect of the ups and downs of the industry, or the design, development, and legacy of the best or most interesting games ever made. It's all carefully edited, complete with original music and sound design, and a mix of interviews and deep research. All set up to tell you a great story about the secret worlds behind or within video games. I hope you enjoy the show. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 112 of the Rcast. I am your host, David Gilton, and with me is a man who is born to play, Robert Workman. Oh, uh, what else am I going to be born to do? Born to born to be sick? Nah, I wouldn't yeah. do that. Not my style. But yeah, it's uh, good to be back. Um, I'm actually recording this before I head over to Momocon in Atlanta in a couple of days. And hopefully right. I'll feel better when I... That'd be nice. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so th- th- this is going to be like our uh, like our GameCube kind of like episode where we're going to be talking about the GameCube as well as like a very special product actually made by our good friends here, uh, Justin Chow and Justin Scarbo of Eons. How's it going there, guys? Hey. What's happening? Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah. I figured... Figure since you guys are you know we're like good buddies of uh, of ours and uh, you know we've kind of been meaning to have you both on the podcast at some point like I, I know we had you like on on like an earlier episode there Chow mm-hmm. uh, yep. so like uh, you know it's good to have you both on here uh, you know to kind of talk about this awesome uh, this awesome new product you have going on here which is the uh, GCHD or the GameCube HD adapter uh, which yeah is just, just uh, as cool as the name suggests so. <laughs> no we're we're stoked to talk about it it's a really really cool. Uh device if i do say so myself <laughs> for sure for sure uh so uh, you know i figure like you know we'll jump into like the news here but you know before we get into like the main topic and like everything else uh starting off with uh with like a story i, I actually came across on ign um this is actually like a story that was done by uh lucy o'brien i think is her name uh, like I, fo- I follow her on on twitter uh we we, we, we like interact like w- with each other a lot and she uh, she works for ign over in australia and so she did like a story actually uh with um uh there was like a guy named brian um Brian Costello, that's it. Brian Costello, um, like who was was kind of like someone like who is uh, kind of like a like purveyor of like Sega history more or less. He's been like a big Sega fan ever since like owning like a, I believe it's the SC three thousand basically back in the day. And so the the like, the the uh, the story itself, like you know, which you'll, you'll find in the show notes, actually is all about like how. Uh, there was like this uh, this like theme park called Sega World over at Sydney, Australia. And funny enough, like you know, I was just kind of just reading through the story. It kind of gets into like you know the you know like Brian's story and like a bit of like about the park itself. Uh, but I've actually been to this park. I've I just completely just blanked it out of my mind. But I've actually been to this park, which only lasts I think four years. Really? Um, and yeah, it's it's just like amazing because I remember um, me and my mom were we were like you know doing like a trip to uh, you know in, in Australia. We were in <clears> Sydney, and uh, I remember we were just kind of like walking along like uh, I believe it was kind of like a big pier or something or other and uh, i just like saw like this big red building like this huge red building it said like sega on it 
I was oh, like, I have to check this out. It's, it's, yeah. it's video games. I had to check it out. Uh, but like, you go inside, you pay like a one-time fee, and basically all the games there, like they're all like a bunch of like arcade machines, are there on free play. So you basically just pay like your one-time fee. You go in there, and you could be there all day. So that's exactly what I did. I basically convinced my mom to like leave me there basically for the day. That's and, so awesome. And uh, yeah, and this is back in um, like it was somewhere between 1997 and 2000 because that's like basically how long like this uh, this park lasted. And um, yeah. it's basically like an indoor amusement park. So it actually had an indoor roller coaster in it too, and like you could eat like chili dogs. There. Like it's basically J- Justin Chow's like <laughs> dream awesome. place because I know you are a huge, huge Sonic fan yourself, so you can huge actually have Sonic chili dogs. Fan. Yes, oh I actually it's funny you mentioned this uh, this uh, article because I do remember some time ago seeing some tweets about somebody who found the old like Sonic the Hedgehog statue in like the Sarah uh, Sarah's like head. Sarah yes. the squirrel, I guess she was squirrel. Sa- uh, Sally. Know. Sally Acorn. Sally. That yeah. Yeah. And so when I was like looking at. When I was looking at these pictures, I was like, "Oh, that's so nice that somebody's like restored these things." But then I started thinking, like, there was a there was a Sega World, like what? Exactly, yeah. So, um, Robert, like, I wasn't sure, like, if you like heard about Sega World or if you you know if you've been there before or anything like that. I've never been, but I've heard so much about it. And looking through this article, I mean, you're looking at basically the remnants of history. Uh, it's it's kind of heartbreaking, you know, it's like you, you expected something really big to happen with it. And the next thing you know, you're taking a look and you got a picture of Sonic basically covered in some kind of dust along with his buddy there. And it's, you <laughs> know, ugh, it's, it, it's heartbreaking to say the least. Yeah. He's like missing an arm too. I remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> got to go find my other arm. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah, no, it, it's it's a really interesting story, and like, especially you know, again, the kind of going into like Brian's story and like with him just growing up as like a huge Sega fan. I, I think he's like in his forties now. Uh, he runs like a Sega YouTube channel right now, and um, yeah, he just um, you know, he he's just been like kind of like a big Sega fan. He used to work for Sega actually, like over in, in Australia. He, he like uh, was like part of like the hotline, I believe, and then he went on to become like a community manager when he was like eighteen years old or something. Uh, so he's just been like a diehard oh, yeah. Sega fan. So since like this this area like um you know where sega world used to be uh it was actually um torn down 10 years ago actually in 2008 um you, you like you go there now and it literally just looks like a junkyard like it's just like sinks yeah. everywhere there's like cars and stuff like it's just like you know it's just like like remnants of what looks like a george romero piece basically if there was, <laughs> if there was a uh if there was a 10 year long like uh what it's called like the the time skips or whatever, where they take a picture every other day or something like that, and you see yeah. the full extent of these Sonic statues slowly sinking into the ground and being <laughs> covered by, like, car parts, that would be heartbreaking. Yeah, and, like, the paint chipping away and all that yeah. stuff, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is, that's what it's called. This, this is just a reminder that we're really losing the stuff that we grew up with. You know, like, there's no more Aladdin's Castle, uh, there's no more Red Baron Nickelodeon arcades, you know, yes. there was this yeah. there was this one here in Denver called Celebrity Sports Center. It was an amazing place. We went there every summer. They had like water slides, three different arcades, bowling, all sorts of stuff. And then every time I drive by that area now, it's just a Home Depot. It's you're absolutely right. Needs. It's it's hard. preservation is like ugh. well, I think about this stuff all the time. Like uh, last um, last February, my uh, my fiance and I went to Universal Studios and we walked by the old uh, Nintendo or uh, Nickelodeon Studios, and it's just all covered up and stuff. And I'm just like, man, like Those part memories. of my history. Like I remember seeing this stuff when I was a kid. You know what I mean? And now it's just. It's just erased gone. almost, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like like the only thing left from my childhood around here now is Casa Bonita, and I trade that any day of the week for a good arcade. Casa Bonita, yeah. yeah, it actually exists, <laughs> guys. It's, like it's not a myth; it does exist. Uh, <laughs> but 
it's just sad, you know. We we had all these great entertainment places from like years ago, and because the times have changed so much, we yeah. don't have them anymore. You know, it's but you know, with time does birth people like you know us, essentially with the ones that want to preserve these kind of things. So like for instance, that even that article is going to do some huge things for Sega World from back of the day. Like they're going to excavate some of those pieces out from the ground <laughs> and like actually start refurbishing them hopefully i mean i know the retro community again is a huge like you guys with the another retro uh, podcast like you guys again are trying to sanctify our childhoods you know yeah pretty much i mean like like it's all about just kind of preserving that history and like for people like who do remember gr- growing up with like you know with the you know with these games and these memories uh you know it's like it's a way to kind of like look back on that and it's kind of like you know kind of think back fondly or or not so fondly in some cases uh yeah. with, you know, with, with, you know, with certain experiences uh but even if like for people who didn't grow up with this stuff like you know people like who were you know born like in the 90s for example uh who just might not have like you know grown up with things like the nes or snes or genesis in this case um you know it's, it's just kind of cool to kind of see like where that that gaming history kind of comes from like just you know to, to like know your roots i guess if you will if uh, you know to kind of say there yeah. um, or how the saying goes so um yeah no, it's, it's just really cool to kind of like you know learn you know to learn a bit about like what happened with sega world and um you know just knowing that like it only lasted like that long i, I figured like it lasted at least like a decade honestly because it was literally just by happenstance i happened to see it and just go in there and literally spend an entire day there and um i have like pretty vivid memories of like that of like you know just being inside the place and seeing like the roller coaster and like you know seeing like the chili dog stand and like all the sonic stuff like everywhere uh it, it was just unreal so like um it's it's something that like i feel like if you if you do like a google image search honestly of sega world sydney you'll be able to see some inside shots and some shots like back when you know when the when the when the place was still uh was still open um you'll you'll definitely see like a pretty cool blast from the past there honestly nice. it's, uh, gotta it's check pretty, that out some pretty interesting yeah. stuff yeah absolutely. i like i like what you said back there a few minutes ago about excavation i'm almost thinking like an Atari style dig where they saved the remnants <laughs> of Sega World. That'd be <laughs> that would be cool. I, I know um, I know that Brian Costello guy, like who the piece is on. Uh, he was like mentioning like how uh, how he he would like to salvage those um, those Sonic and Sally um, statues, basically. Oh, yeah. So, uh, it, 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 it would be interesting to see if that could happen. Although I think you probably need like a bit more money, honestly, to like really bring those back up to shape. Uh, yeah. But uh, it, it is pretty interesting to kind of see like what you know what's what's kind of happened with a you know kind of like a bygone era, really, in that case. So that's going to lead us into our other story here, which is actually about the uh, the, the possible N64 Classic, which may or may not be heading our way, although it looks like it possibly may be, uh, because Nintendo did apply for a new trademark, actually, for the Nintendo 64. Um, so every time, like, you know, we, we see this happen, it always kind of gets, like, the rumor mill flying in a, in a frenzy uh, as far mm-hmm. as, like, what, what it all, all could mean. Because um, even, like, just, like, last year, Nintendo actually filed, like, a trademark um, for, uh, for Game Boy, which kind of, like, led to a lot of people thinking that maybe there's a, there's a Game Boy Classic Edition also coming out. Oh, and I'm so hoping that that's true. That's, yeah, I'm, like, right? really, really hoping that that's true. It, it, it would be really neat just to kind of have, like, a bunch of, like, Game Boy games, like, all together in one, like, handheld package. It, yeah. It you know, would be really neat. Uh, but, yeah, with, like, an N64, classic um i don't know I'm, I'm really curious to see how that would turn out especially since uh, obviously rare kind of had like a huge history with uh, you know with the n64 period like you know with, yeah. like gold eye and the perfect dark all that stuff so i think um, even without rare it would still be a totally impressive uh selection of games like if you just sure. think of some of the nintendo published titles on the system like there you could easily fill like 10 to 20 spots um that we would expect on a classic system yeah but the argument has to be made can it sell without GoldenEye? I mean, it's going to have stuff like <laughs> maybe Super Mario 64, Ocarina of Time, F-Zero Absolutely. X, Star Fox mm-hmm. 64. It'll Absolutely. have classics galore. 
But we're talking about GoldenEye. When people mention Nintendo 64, they usually make GoldenEye synonymous with it. You know, oh, I'm thinking Nintendo has to do everything in its power to get it to work. I mean, they probably have to pay, like, you know, licenses out the wazoo for Sean Bean's face or Pierce Brosnan's face <laughs> and right. the James Bond license. But it'll be so worth it if people say, and it'll have GoldenEye for I mean, a player local. That would be a game changer, but I mean, have you played Goldeneye recently? It is one of those shooters that really, in my opinion, has not aged super well. I don't know how much people would like, how, how much their nostalgia would like let them enjoy that game again because it's just it's weird. It's like an awkward game. Well, but yeah, that's the problem is everybody grew up with Call of Duty this generation, so they're that's true. Yeah, you're right. You know, so I mean, like back then, Goldeneye was everything to a lot of us. I mean, some yeah. of us didn't have a PC, so we turned to the Nintendo 64 and. Mm-hmm. Playing his odd job, you know. There it's you true. go. It's true. Like, like, like even the um, the like controller itself, though. Like the the N sixty four controller isn't you know doesn't exactly hold up either. And like I, I feel like a lot of that has to do you know with uh, you know again like hand in hand with like the way that Goldeneye has aged. Um, I I like Goldeneye a lot, but like it, you know definitely going back to it now. Like after playing like you know all sorts of other shooters like ever since then, like where you know you have like you know two, two sticks, you have like bumpers, like all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't quite hold up in the same way there's just kind of like a kitschy nostalgia to it really um but yeah i i just don't see like you know if, if there is to be like an n64 classic uh I, I don't see a golden eye happening because of all the licenses uh and also being rare and i also don't see see perfect dark either because i believe rare owns that uh that franchise or at least like microsoft yeah but yeah, microsoft microsoft, it, yeah. microsoft did say they would work with nintendo if oh, they, they did banjo kazooie and super smash brothers <laughs> yeah, that, that would be, that and, would be you know there, there you go why would you not work with them? I mean, obviously. So, yeah. Um, as far as this kitschy appeal, you have to understand that they, they released the Intellivision flashback, and that sold well, and that had the shittiest controller in the history of <laughs> shitty controllers. So, yeah. if that can sell, so can the N sixty four Classic. Like, I, I, I just think that the uh, like the sales numbers like for an N sixty four Classic would be a lot higher than than the Intellivision, to be honest. You know? Well, yeah, I think, I think that goes without saying. You have me thinking of something interesting now. The the N sixty four was the first Nintendo console that had four controllers. So if it were to release a classic version, I mean, we saw them include two with the Super Nintendo Classic. Do you think they would do all four with the N64? Because it means, you know, split-screen Mario Kart and Smash Brothers are, like, inextricably tied to what that console was. That's what made it so fun, you know? They could make a killing selling extra controllers and including, like, maybe two. But, I mean, I could see them having a package for, like, $120 that includes a system and four controllers. That would actually work really well on their behalf. Mm, like a different SKU? That would be interesting. Yeah, yes. maybe, uh, maybe do something like this. Sell the original version for, like, 80 bucks with, with, like, one controller or something like that. And then sell a special lime green one, like the Donkey Kong model, for mm-hmm. 120 with the four controllers. Yeah, that would be, be like the with classic the edition with like the two and like party classic with like four or something like that. Hold on. Wait, yeah. like if you bought that, those controllers are big. That box is going to be not mini. It's going to no. be pretty big. <laughs> yeah, you're right, actually. That's you're a huge box. You, you know might need like a smaller, like, like a slightly bu- smaller version of that controller, I think. Yeah. Well, well, you're not going to keep the box. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, you like, might. You look at like the SNES and the NES classic boxes and you're like okay so that feels mini it's small right but in this box it's going to be like the size of an n64 box with four controllers and a mini n64 (laughs) that would be hilarious what do you guys think it would be price wise because we saw it take a little jump with the super nintendo Mm, i'd be curious like do you think they'd crack 100 bucks i don't know um I, like I, I said, I think honestly. I think the, I think the stu- the standard version will be eighty, and the special one with the four controllers will probably be a hundred to one hundred and twenty. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'll say I'm going with like 150, and like if they're gonna do like a party like four controller pack, I, I probably guess like 200 at the lowest. To be honest. Really? Yeah, that's way too expensive. System. It's not and, gonna be that. Yeah, right. Exactly. And like old, old. Well, I guess you're really only targeting the nostalgia gamers, right? Well, I mean, think about it. Like when they used to sell like NES games on the eShop, they were like five bucks a piece. The N64 ones were always about ten. So you mm-hmm. figure ten to twenty games at ten bucks a piece. I mean, you know, Dave might not be super far off. Like. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. I don't yeah. know. That's kind of what I'm thinking, honestly. Just because, yeah. like, it is like a newer console. Just like how, like, you know, because, like, you know, if you keep in mind too, with the SNES Classic, it, it was a, it was a bump in price, but it had less games. You know, mm. so I mean, like, That's you kind of have to like, kind of equate, like, just by like the math there, uh, as far as like how much they probably would charge for. You know, and and again too, this is like a huge jump because like you know you have NES, SNES, it's still 2D. SNES, N64. That now you're going into the 3D like like 3D realm at that point. So yeah, significantly the, bigger games for it's sure. Significantly bigger, yes, absolutely. So that's kind of like why I'm thinking like 150 at the absolute lowest for like a standard yeah. like if you're doing like but two like, controllers kind of thing. You say bigger, but like big back then is not big now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're still, you're still. We can get terabytes. But it's, but it's for like still, what I think. What he means bucks. is like more game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. that's true. Think about anything you're playing on the NES Classic. It's usually something like kind of throw away. You mess with it for ten, twenty minutes. You're, you're going in. You know, uh, pretty deep with the app. If they well, are going that price, it's the SNES library. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, they, if they are going to go that price, they might as well just go all out. Work with EA. Bring some Star Wars games to it. Work with Rare. Ooh, bring Donkey Kong sixty four and Banjo yeah. and Goldeneye and you know. I was just going to ask what you guys would think the uh, the third party games would look like because I mean on the NES we had like uh, like Ninja Gaiden and uh, Contra and all this stuff and then same with the Super Nintendo we had Contra. I'm wondering what. Uh, what are like the likely candidates for N64? Maybe like a cruise in USA or something? Oh God, cruise! <laughs> maybe, <laughs> um, maybe. Obviously, obviously Mario Tennis. Obviously Mario, tennis. Mario yeah. Golf. Maybe oh, yeah. Ridge Racer 64, which I because oh, yeah, those are still Camelot, Ooh. right? I did love Ridge Racer. Rob, you're um, a Ridge Racer. Fan? You know what? I am. Love you. Ridge I love you, <laughs> Okay, I'm, I'm taken, but no, I'm not taken. <laughs> um, but uh, I'll tell you, let's throw another one out there. What if they talked to WWE and threw WrestleMania 2000? I, oh, I, I, dude, I was, was thinking that. Was, man. <laughs> Yo, WCW versus NWO was my jam, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. It, it'll never happen, but wishful thinking. But that would be just, very cool. But, I mean, there are a number of games out there that, you know, obviously would not make it onto the classic, but I'll tell you. If Nintendo could pull off a miracle and make Goldeneye happen and some of the Star Wars games happen, people would lose their shit. And they would oh, pay yeah. 150 to $200 to Empire. play them. I mean, yeah, I feel like no the replay, even if you had, like, Mario Party and the blisters on your palms, you know? Like, if you had Mario Party ready <laughs> in that Shy Guy Race? Like, yeah. How long do you play it? You make it sound like you play it, like, for 14 hours. Shy Guy Race. Before. I'm sorry, but I had blisters on my, on my hands, on my palms for days. Yeah. And it's funny because you would meet people at, like, conferences and conventions, and they'd be like... I mean, this is when I was a lot younger, but they were like, they would, I would like show them my hand and I'd be like, yo, Mario Party? And they're like, and they show me their hand. I was like, yes, we're like yeah. brothers. It was weird. <laughs> it's like the stone cutters at that point, yeah. <laughs> yeah only me, only take, me. take a break. If you're starting to get blisters <laughs> on your hand, take a break. Well, that was like a big thing. No I match remember, with I, Hulk Hogan think... is worth well, because well, well, I think that was like a big thing with uh, with like the first Mario Party because it had that shy guy race like where you had to crank him up and like yes. have like race yeah. and stuff. So mm-hmm. like, no, Nintendo released the glove, the glove to, exactly, uh, yeah, to try to alleviate people's hand blisters. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I think we talked about that like in like a previous episode at some point. But yeah, no, it, it's it, like I remember it was just like this big thing, like where, where you know where Nintendo actually gave out gloves like the people like for you know for that. So that would um, be the ultimate accessory for the NES Classic. It comes with the gloves. <laughs> it should totally come with the gloves. You're totally right with that, Scarebo. Absolutely. <laughs> the best. You know, so we'll, we'll kind of wait and see. Like you know, if the N64 Classic will, will become a thing, although um, uh, it seems likely it might. But it's, it's definitely a big question mark over like what kinds of games is going to throw in there with the licenses yeah. and all that stuff so uh we shall see but one thing that we know for absolutely is gonna is gonna be coming out is a uh, new yakuza games so uh these are actually um like the uh like the announcement that that sega is coming out with remasters for yakuza 3 4 and 5 uh so far only in um in like japan uh but the um i know like it's stateside they, they've been coming out with yakuza kiwami and there's also kiwami 2 which is coming out which are actually both remasters of of, of one and two respectively so i have to imagine that there will be more kiwami love in the uh, in the future here yeah, I'm definitely not surprised by that. The uh, like Kiwami and Zero did super well here. I feel like a lot of people, you know, gave those games a whole lot of praise. Probably a lot of people that weren't exposed to it, uh, you know, from the PS2 era. So and plus with all the Shenmue hype, man, yeah, they're like jonesing for something that would give them that like out, you know? Yeah, for sure. You know, I feel stupid just because I'm in, I'm saying Yakuza. Not Yakuza, but that's me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anime, anime, whatever. I know. Tomato, tomato, Kiwami, Kiwami. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Nintendo, Nintendo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is good news because I know a lot of people out there who are catching on to the Yakuza series. Uh, they just started playing six. Be like, wait, wait, this is six. Well, I haven't seen the other games yet. Oh, here's your opportunity. Uh, Kiwami one, Kiwami two, which is coming in August, by the way. And then three, four and five. It, the only game I think that's missing is Dead Souls. And I, I don't know if that's too much of a classic, but, you know, it's just great to see all the other games get a chance. Now, they're not confirmed for the U.S. yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if Sega announced something at E3 yeah, because that seems to be the place where they like their big announcements. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm sure we, we, we you know, we'll see more more yakuza in the near future here. Uh, at least, at least uh, stateside. Anyway. Yakuza, y- y- yakuza, exactly. <laughs> I, say, um, I say yakuza or yeah. yakuza. Thank you. <laughs> I love right way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm taking already, but I'm flat. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> tomato, Nobody's tomato. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, so that's going to lead us into our last story here, which is about uh, Best Buy apparently ending their Gamers Club Unlocked program. Now, Dude, uh, oh this, my gosh, this hurts bad. Yeah, this was a program I, I, I never partook in, but like I know like my, my friend Andrew, like he loves this program, So, uh, and I'm sure you guys have plenty of love for it too there, yeah? Dude, I've, I've been a member of Best Buy Gamers Club whatever for the last three years. And <laughs> whatever it it's is called, like, I love it. <laughs> it is like the most dollars. critical, like program that i've been on since then i mean we've all been on like the gamestop rewards and all this other crap but uh best buys actually had serious value behind it you're talking every new game was like 48 bucks straight up and you would get like a 10 dollar gift certificate if you pre-ordered certain games like it was just a good deal Mm -hmm. you know like i haven't paid full price for a game and i don't even know how long it's crazy they don't even give a reason. They just said they're discontinuing it. More than likely, they're just tired of losing money. And, you know, that's the thing. That's it's, it. yeah. You know, basically, in order to screw over customers, they had to make that decision. And it doesn't really make sense. You know, it's like they want to compete with Amazon. Amazon has that program, technically. Yeah, they, they, do. they do 20% off with, with their games. And they're not quitting theirs anytime soon because, yeah. you know, they're in the billions but let's see I'm, their window is a little bit different the amazon one only works if you pre-order the game with best buy it could be anytime you could just show up and, and uh, pick that whenever. was a big difference that, 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 I, that i understood from it yeah yeah mm. well it still stinks i still think uh they could have done something better 
Or you know, and plus their trading program is pretty damn anemic. You know how much they offer for Overwatch? Two dollars. Oh jeez. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I guess I mean, being like an online multiplayer game too, like it's gonna you know be less of value in that case because. But you could play it yeah. offline too. <laughs> not well. I mean, only trading mode, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can play against the AI. Have you not played Overwatch? You can uh, play I, I have. I mean, the AI. But you don't yeah. play Overwatch to play the AI. I you, mean, you're not you playing Rocket know. League to play the AI. Would, but yeah. I mean, there's. It, it depends how depends what kind of shitty night I'm having against competitors. Like now, <laughs> well destroy people. You can do that too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just thinking about the Best Buy thing. Like, I've seen a lot of people getting really up in arms about it on Twitter and stuff. I wonder if there could be like enough of a uh, you know public uproar that Best Buy might change their mind on it. Nope. I bet you it comes down to numbers. I mean, it's gotta it's yeah. gotta be. Right? It comes down it's... to sales. It comes down to like the fact that retail is kind of slowly dying. Really. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, True. So it's it's really kind of coming down to like the costs and obviously. Uh, with um, you know, with, with like the number of people, I'm sure like, who kind of like just learn from like word, word, you know, from, from, uh, from like word of mouth, honestly, like with, right. with uh, you know, with like the values they get from Gamers Club Unlocked, uh, then it's just kind of makes sense that like that you know that Best Buy is just kind of seeing as it's just like kind of shedding money at that point. So like I, yeah, I kind of wish I knew the margins that that retailers get on games because I feel like it's not much. It's not all. much. No, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I I could say that for sure. Just like as someone like, who did work in retail for a good fair bit myself, yeah. Uh, the the cost margins are very very tight. And if you're giving sure. people ten dollars per pre order plus these this extra like what is it uh, like like twenty percent off twenty percent yeah. yeah and any 20%, sales that go on off, that's like crazy man. It's awesome. awesome. A lot yeah. Plus also like the like ten dollars uh, coupons that yeah, you the coupons. Yeah exactly. So yeah. It's, I mean I'm super awesome. sad to see it go. Like it, it's really a bummer. I'm, I am glad that they're not screwing over current members like if you're already in gamers club it basically goes until your subscription's done and then it just won't like renew right so that's at least a, like a silver lining to it what are you buying that's gonna lead us now to the part of the show here called what are you playing we get into the games we've all been playing or have recently beat so uh we, you know like i guess like with like justin's being our special guest here wants to want to start us off with what you guys have been playing uh sure i can kick us off um I've been playing a lot on my Switch. That's kind of been my my main console for the last little while. Uh, I'm still messing around with Monster Hunter on PlayStation. But uh, as far as games that I beat, I just beat Celeste, which was oh, a yeah. lot. Ooh, so fan- good. Fantastic yeah. game. A lot shorter than I was expecting it to be. I didn't really mess too much with like collecting all the strawberries or anything. But I was like really surprised by just the level of quality uh, that there was behind that game. I mean, a lot of people were talking about it, and I don't. I'm not surprised now. Um, getting to experience it myself. Uh, and then I also recently beat Night in the Woods, which is another oh, yeah. indie darling. Uh, really cool game. That one was a lot longer than I was expecting. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of just uh, it's kind of just those two. And then I recently picked up uh, Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition, which is just a blast. Ooh, yes. It's just so fun it's to so mess good. with that game. Justin and it's I were just great. playing it a minute ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but that, that pretty much does it for me. Um, cool. I'll jump in next, I guess. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, so the game that I've been playing, Monster Hunter, has been a a favorite of this month, um, as well as God of War. I'm not sure if mm. you've heard, but it's pretty good. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. But uh, I I've been very like faithfully and religiously like chur- churning through that game and trying not to go to the story as much as possible, so just so oh, I really? can like embrace mm. the world as much as possible. But yeah. uh, that. That and then on the side of that, I've been um, diving into I've been diving into some GameCube games uh, oh. recently. A lot of a lot of these old games that I have not played, like for instance Fire Emblem. Um, mm. So Justin just helped me get a Fire Emblem copy, which is like incredibly expensive, 
and uh, with the little like with the little thing that we made, all my GameCube games could play at HD. We'll talk about it in a little bit, but I will just say Fire Emblem on the GameCube is pretty fantastic. Cool, very cool. How about you there, Robert? Uh, I've been working on a little bit of Switch stuff myself. I just got N plus uh, plus, which is coming out later this week. Oh yeah, and it's uh, a music game, a- right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool where you like work your way up walls and try to activate switches, avoid obstacles. It's a That's really right. fun, skillful game. I really enjoy that one. Still working on Fox and Forest, which is a great little platformer. We talked about it on a number of occasions. And I've also picked up Hyrule Warriors, Defender, yes. which is a blast. <laughs> Love it. And I just finished my review for Mega Man Legacy Collection 1 and 2 on Switch. And it's actually a very good collection. I think the only downside is that... Uh, Obviously, Legacy Collection 2 is not as good as 1 because I didn't really care too much about 7 and 8, but the rest mm. of the games are a lot of fun, and there are a ton of bonus features, including a remix mode, uh, music player, museum, all that. I mean, I'm going to be taking all these games with me when I go on the road to Atlanta later this yeah. week. So. Yeah, I was Look- a huge fan of the challenge modes in that game where it like mixes up certain levels and whatnot. Mm-hmm. What have you been playing, David? Uh, so since I completely finished with God of War, I actually jumped uh, back into my backlog here for Mad Max, actually. Uh, kind of getting myself into that mindset since, uh, since like, the announcement of Rage 2. Uh, so I figured I'd kind of like jump into a little, little bit of dystopian action there. And uh, yeah, it's really cool. Honestly, I, I really love the fact that like when you're in like you know, when you're in like kind of like a good groove and you got a good combo going, uh, you're able to do like um, do like German suplexes and like, you know, like flip, That's cool. flip, flip mm-hmm. people around to like backbreakers and stuff it, it just goes to the full-blown like almost like re- wrestling mode like when you're into like that rage kind of like you know when you get like yeah, a good combo yeah. going and so like the the combat is just like super you know just super enjoyable uh, obviously the uh, the driving is done re- really well too which the car you know, combat the car combat yeah it's, oh it's dude super tearing the wheels off a car yeah right. it's all yeah with the harpoon right. yeah the, it's so the good harpoon is amazing I love it. I love it. Yeah. So I've been, I've been really liking that game so far. Um, and uh, also been playing some Darkest Dungeon on Switch, actually. Ooh, great game. Great game. Um, See, do you, yeah. uh, but you don't get mods, right? You don't, no. Uh, so I, 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 I like, because I, I picked it up like when it was on sale on Switch because like, it came with the, um, what was it, like the, like the, uh, the, the DLC and all that. So Yeah, right. Know. All that stuff. Plus it has like a weird board game version. Yeah, yeah. You know, really the awesome. 2D version, right? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, like it just came with a whole bunch of like other stuff in there. So like, there's like extra stuff that like I didn't get like when I originally played it on Steam. So I figured like it would be a good game to have like on the go for Switch. Yeah, and uh, it re- really lends itself well on the Switch just because you you're able to use like the uh, the, like touch controls to kind of like you know point to like where you want oh, to go. Oh, that's cool. Key, really that's awesome. Neat. Yeah, so like, it really lends itself well to like the Switch in that case, and I, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a great game like just overall anyway. So have you yeah. ever beaten it? Yeah. No, 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 yeah. God, no! It's an yeah. insanely tough game. Like, I, 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 I really does not play around. I don't. I, yeah, it does not I, I play around. Steam. No, seriously, has anyone beaten it? Just wondering. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've know. seen like YouTube has anybody videos beaten of people playing it. Normal, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've, I've I've seen like some um, some like YouTube videos of of of, of people uh, of, of people beating it, but uh, I I certainly haven't come close myself. But I'm hoping to go a little further on the Switch version, so we'll we'll see what happens there. So yeah, you can take it wherever you wherever you go. Indeed, indeed. So uh, I do have a game code here now to give away. Uh, this is a game code here for Tokyo 42 on Steam. Tokyo 42 is a hyper stylish, isometric open world shooter. Framed for a murder you didn't commit, you'll delve into a world of assassins, deadly corporate intrigue, and tactical cats. Skillful shooting, bold physics, sneaky stealth, and crowd simulation all play a role in this unique and critically acclaimed action masterpiece. So if that sounds like your jam, Definitely jump on this. Again, this is for Steam. The code is HWVZYYKX3B. 
JW7DC. Again, that's Tokyo42 on Steam. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Stage of History. So with that, we have the Stage of History, which is a celebration of retro titles that deserve a spot, for better or for worse, in the pantheons of history. So I figure since we're going to be talking about uh, about the GameCube and GameCube games in general, uh, you know, I threw in like a couple of, of, of GameCube games here, which everyone will know for sure, uh, starting off with Super Smash Bros. Melee. So this is a 2001 fighting game by HAL Laboratory. It is the GameCube's best-selling game with more than 7 million copies sold by 2008. The addition of Fire Emblem characters Marth and Roy marked the first time audiences outside of Japan were introduced to the franchise. And it is still considered one of the most popular games in competitive tournaments to this day, which you guys certainly know of with your, uh, with your GCHD. So. That's for mm-hmm. sure. That's for sure. Absolutely. Dude, what an incredible game. Like, it truly formed, like, much of my history of, like, local multiplayer kind of games. Yeah. Um, the, the, the game like, was <clears throat> changing the genre of fighting games like everything beforehand had been the arcade left right you know fighters and then this came in with a, a physics based platform slash you know 2d fighter-esque kind of game and yeah. everybody kind of lost their kind of lost their shit yeah for it to last almost 20 years and still be like competitively Tribal, viable yeah. is just a testament oh. to how seriously amazing that game is Absolutely. I mean, it's going to be at Evo. We're talking yeah. about a game that's yeah. been around for <laughs> so long. Yeah, seriously. I mean, like, and it sounds like what Nintendo is doing is they're taking a lot of influence that worked with Melee and they're putting it into the Switch version. Mm-hmm. Which they're making so. it even oh, more into. Well, they're even talking about bringing back the Ice Climbers. Like, I love <laughs> the Ice Climbers. And, uh, it's not confirmed. It's I, I just I heard. Mean, there, there are, Nothing's uh, confirmed until E3 these days. You know, right, right, that's yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. But yeah, I want the Ice Climbers back. You know, I to throw Ridley in there. Screw it, throw Simon Belmont in there. Make, make Ridley in there. I'd be, I'd be ecstatic. If yeah, you're... there's no way. They're, they're talking about a few surprises. You know, hell, they might throw in Crash and Spyro because they're coming to the Switch anyway. So that makes sense, especially for, I could, for I Crash. Could do without yeah. that. I, yeah. I could see, I could see it happen. I wouldn't necessarily want it to happen, but I could definitely see it happening. Oh, you know? I, yeah. I want to see it. Happen. I mean, like we're talking about a fight between Sonic, Mario. Pac-Man, yeah. Mega Man, and Crash and Spyro. Holy shit. Oh, right. <laughs> that would be incredible. But, but yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I remember like the first time I played Melee it was like 2001 E3 when they first introduced the GameCube. My God. We, we hung around the booth for an hour. They had to kick us out. and be like, excuse me, other people. Want to... <laughs> we are settling a fight right now, Bucky. We have to settle this. <laughs> <laughs> On the F-Zero stage of all places, Captain Falcon Punch. Oh, of course. Yeah. You got to get oh, the Captain Falcon gosh. Punch there. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the <laughs> game, like, the game, the, the game during that time too. It was just like such a step up from the N sixty four version. It like changed mm. it completely, and it felt completely new, but same, like still similar. It was weird. It yeah. kind of set the stage for what future Smash Bros. games would be like, or or, or should be like, really in a lot of cases. Because mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say like they they take some changes as uh, as like each you know each iteration comes out. Uh, but for for this one, like you know, everyone just you know just seems to love it just because of you know the mechanics were there, like they were just like sound, like they they approved on what what they originally did with the N sixty four game, um, and then just kind of like made it like very no frills. It feels like like they just kind of got those core mechanics down pat, uh, along with like a great roster too, as you mentioned there with like you know with, with like Captain Falcon, uh, with um, you know with like Mario and like Link and like all, like everyone else pretty much. Like it's like a great great roster to it. I, I think they even had uh, had Ganondorf in there too. Like I think it was like the um, it did yeah. The introduction you know, the introduction yeah so and yeah. also can we just say the gamecube controller was perfect for that game i mean that's Ooh. why do you think they they made like you know a gamecube adapter for the wii u version because yeah. people mm-hmm. wanted to play with the gamecube version you know that's, true. that's how they wanted it and i'm telling you i mean if the switch version can channel that 
And if it could come with a like a you know a, a controller adapter of its own, this game is going to sell like hotcakes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sure. like you make a or you make a really good point. Like because of Melee, the GameCube controller has been so tied to that franchise. I mm-hmm. mean, there hasn't been a Smash release since then that hasn't included functionality to use the GameCube controller because it it is it, like inherently tied to that game. Yeah. It's crazy. For sure. It so is. For sure. So uh, another GameCube classic we have here now is The Legend of Zelda: The Wind Waker. So, oh my god. This is a, oh my god! Okay, <laughs> I hate you. I am like the world's biggest uh, Wind Waker fan. I I can't tell you that was like such an awesome time of my life. I remember like like the well, GameCube was. We'll let you get into it, but like, I'll, I'll kind of get into like the notes here first, and I'll I'll, I'll let you splurge. I'll, I'll let you splurge. Oh, for to take sure. over the podcast. I see what's going Absolutely, on. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> take a breath. Uh, okay. I, I, I know you're excited there, Scarecrow. <laughs> um, this is a this is a 2003 action adventure game by Nintendo. Uh, much of the score was inspired by traditional Irish music. The divisiveness with fans over its cel-shaded art style resulted in Nintendo aiming for more realistic graphics in later titles, and, uh, and also with critics dubbing the game as Zelda at the time, I remember. Uh, and an HD version was released for Wii U in 2013. So, uh, so Scarebo, why don't you go ahead and just gush about your favorite <laughs> game of all time? <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. Like, uh, yeah, when, when you said it like that, I thought you said you were going to hate it. That's why I said it. I have such weird like childhood memories with it. Like, the N6, or I'm sorry, the GameCube was like the first console that I actually like spent my own money on to buy. You know what I mean? And I feel like that first console for everybody makes it like a little bit more special. Um, no, mind you, this is at a time where like I didn't really have a job, so I'm like saving up like you know pennies wherever I can to like uh, to buy the games that I wanted. And I distinctly remember being in my room like counting change that I found around <laughs> everywhere because I was so hyped to get the game on the day that it came out. It was like, oh god, I just love that. And it came with like the bonus disc with a. Uh, what you call it, uh, Master Quest and Ocarina of Time. Like, oh yeah, I don't know. Like that that game was just it, it was so awesome. And I know a lot of people have some problems with like the Triforce collecting and all that. But for me, it was just so novel and so new. And like, uh, I don't know. It just it was an incredible, incredible experience. I liked it too. <laughs> yeah, good game. Okay. <laughs> good game is good. <laughs> it, it, it was a terrific game. I think when people you know rallied against its art style, it was unfairly deserved. I mean, it is a deep game and it's got great combat to it, fun little story. And I actually like the HD version for Wii U as well. It was really well done. So, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's it's one of those things in history that you know, like some fans would would rather move on to something more serious, but others really enjoyed it. And I know in in a similar kind of way, Metroid Prime's kind of in the same boat. Like people like a lot of people loved it, but there are some people who still prefer the classic Metroids. Yeah, right. you're right. You're and right there are even that. a couple even a couple of freaks out there like Metroid Other M for some damn reason. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know who those people are, but okay. <laughs> They're not my friends, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I think someone like the the criticism with like the art style was somewhat deserved, not totally in some cases, because Nintendo did come out with that awesome looking demo yes, uh, sometime before. To yeah, well, yeah. So yeah, you can uh, go Space ahead there. World there, 2000 there, demo, there, there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, the, the, there was the uh, you know the, that awesome looking demo. I remember like like a few like a few years before like the game released, and uh, like everyone's kind of hoping it's like, oh my god, this is like the HD Zelda like, that, we, that we want, yeah. like a realistic lo- looking Zelda game. And instead, they kind of came out with what everyone kind of called like just kind of like Zelda or like the cartoony Link or Toon Link. Actually, was, was, was how we how it was kind of dubbed afterwards. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I remember, uh, I kind of wasn't totally impressed. I remember, like when I first saw the the like visuals because I, I already saw 
like cell shaded graphics in Jet Set Radio, and I was seeing it like all of a sudden in like commercials and things like that at the time. So it just seemed to be sure. kind of like everywhere. And then all of a sudden Zelda was doing it. So I was like, really again, like with this, and like you know, it just kind of seemed like it was overkill. Like it just <laughs> at least for me anyway, because I was seeing it everywhere. Um, but just over time, I, I became like more and more interested. It's kind of slowly over time, I've been, been more and more interested in playing Wind Waker. I've never played it before, but if they ever did come out with a with a port for Switch, I'll totally jump on it for sure. I think the cell shading was ultimately a good idea. I know at the time it was very divisive, but the pro like when you try to chase realistic looking graphics, it dates itself significantly faster. Yeah. Like if you look mm. at something like Twilight Princess, which was the game that you know came straight after that, it did go for you know realistic, more realistic looking graphics. And I feel like if you put that side by side with Wind Waker, Wind Waker will always look incredible. Like no matter how long the time is, point, you know. Yeah. It's it's just like it was a totally unique and novel way of seeing the game, and um, you know I think the HD remaster really all they did to it was like kind of add some bloom and a little bit of definition, but it still is this timeless, attractive game. You know, so much so that it spawned its own entire branch of the Zelda timeline. You know, with uh, Phantom Hourglass and Minish Cap and all this sort of stuff. It was just a really attractive style, you know. And on top of that, I mean, let's be honest, the GameCube, Nintendo took a lot of risks with its franchises. I mean, I know a lot of people who hated Super Mario Sunshine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They got a lot of hate for a long time. I I think some of it deserved, but... uh, I don't know. Like, I, I can definitely see why people don't like it. There's no long jump. Like, what the? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're the you water, jump. just flood. What the hell? Right. <laughs> yeah. For sure. But uh, yeah, that's that's the Wind Waker right there. So, you know, if you, if, if you have like a chance to jump on it, like, you know, either if you have it on GameCube or uh, or for like Wii U, uh, then then definitely jump on it. Although I'm, I'm crossing my fingers it'll come out for Switch at some point. Uh, so it's going to lead us now to Obscura. And for Obscura, I wanted to bring up a GameCube favorite as well. And I think I picked a timely one because this is actually coming out for Switch next week. I picked Ikaruga. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a game developed by Treasure and published by Sega or Atari, depending on what version you uh, got. Uh, originally came out for the Sega Dreamcast overseas. It did not see a U.S. release, but it was later released for the GameCube through Atari that had weird IGN font on it. Like, what was it? Um, our frothing demand That's for this right. game continues or yeah. something like that? Yeah. Classic. <laughs> Classic. It was later. Yeah, so basically what it is, it, it's a variation of the company's Radiant Silver Gun game that came out a few years earlier. Uh, essentially, you, you're a ship that can switch between two polarities, black and white, and you are able to absorb enemy shots and thus create more powerful bursts that you could use toward bosses and other enemies. And it's kind of cool how you're able to switch between the two, but I'll tell you, it added to the difficulty, because all of a sudden, you're facing this firework sort of array of bullets in which... You know, you have to flip it around at the right time or you get blown up. So, you know, that's that's the way it works. Uh, Lately, the game has seen some more exposure. Uh, It released for Xbox 360 a few years ago, and now it's available on Xbox One backward compatibility. And like I said, Nicolas will be releasing it next week for Nintendo Switch for just 15 bucks. And yes, it will have a vertical mode. And that is something that a lot of fans really want because that's the way they play traditional vertical shooters. Mm -hmm. Uh, The game will feature two player as usual. If you want to do one or two, you can. And we'll have a number of different modes available as well uh, i played a little bit of it and i'll tell you the port looks beautiful so i am looking forward to diving back into this again and you know what um i'd like to see more treasure games pop up on the switch but i wouldn't give to see gunstar heroes or, or guardian heroes or radiant silver gun again but uh i'll tell you considering this game got a lot of exposure in the gamecube i'm glad i chose it but uh, i want to see what you guys think did any of you play ikaruga 
yeah. I, I did, yeah. That was actually a uh, like an early pickup. Like I got that when it came out uh, on the GameCube, and man, it is it is a great game. Certainly unique and and definitely something pretty original on that console. But uh, it, it's totally stood the test of time, and it's it's crazy because I felt like it didn't really get like like. It didn't sell incredibly well on the GameCube, but to have enough like clout with its fan base to see the re-release on Xbox and now to come back to Switch is just awesome because it really is a quality game. You know, something I'm totally not, unique I'm in that a, genre. I'm not, I'm not huge into the shmup genre. I mean, I like them, but I'm not like seeking, uh, seeking after you know uh, shmups or new shmups. Mm-hmm. But uh, when Ikaruga came out, like, was it like I remember seeing that game? I, I hadn't played it. Uh, I mean, when it you borrowed first, it from me, I borrowed it from years. you at, yeah, for, <laughs> for years, years afterwards. But that was only years and years after its release. At the point at which uh, it actually just released, I remember thinking, like, Ooh, why, why would I want to play shmup games? There's so many other cool, new, innovative, you know, types of interfaces. 3D now games and game. all that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you look at Ikaruga and you're like, okay, so the cool thing here is that you flip into different colors and then, okay, so it's like a weird, like, puzzle slash reactionary shmup and then doing this different thing. Okay, that's cool, but. Yeah, I'm not really into that. I didn't. I, I thought like originally that could have been the the issue. The issue with with the game, it seemed like dated for what it was on. At the mm. time. But it did stuff that was innovative, though. Instead of having the super bomb that cleared the screen, you, you had to use these laser blasts. To, and, yeah. and the boss design, as usual, Treasure does compelling stuff with the boss design. Like it challenges you to try to figure out patterns and try to survive. I mean, just like Radiant Silver Gun did. So I, sure. I really think this innovation went a long way. And the fact it's coming to the Switch for a new generation of players to enjoy either at home or on the go in vertical mode uh, is beautiful. You know, I, yeah. I love the idea of that. So, yeah, that's why I gave the game a recommendation. Um, obviously, if you can get the Dreamcast version, definitely go for it. But the mm-hmm. other ones work just as well. So, yeah, yeah the yeah. the um, the Dreamcast version was the one that I personally had because I, I remember importing this. And, uh, it, it yeah, it's it a lot of fun. It's a really, really cool game. Uh, I, and I, I definitely understand like where, where you're coming from there. They're, they're, um, you know, their child, like as far as like seeing all these kind of like new cutting edge 3D games and then all of a sudden kind of going back to like a 2D game in this sense. Um I, I've kind of like always loved smups, like you know, in this case, and like this, this, you know, as as Robert mentioned, like kind of did something like like very unique in that genre, which is, uh, it, it just typically doesn't see like a lot of innovation, honestly, in that genre. Um, you know, being able to kind of like switch around like the like polarity and having to like you know switch that around like on the fly, depending on what bullets are flying at you. Uh, it was just kind of like a new type of bullet hell in that sense, like where there, in some cases, there would be no gaps whatsoever, and so you just had to kind of flip as soon as like the bullets kind of changed color on you. Uh, yeah. it, it's, it's really, really well done in that case, and very difficult uh, as, as like the smart genre generally is anyway. Uh, but it's, it's definitely a really cool game, so I'm glad people on the Switch will be able to uh, to experience this again or, or or for the first time. So for sure, mm-hmm. and Rob, good yeah. luck to new players because it is not easy. Oh, it is yeah. not easy. That's why I had it for so goddamn long. Like, uh, Rob, real quick, uh, you mentioned the the which one? The uh, developers on this was or the producers were Nick Nicholas? Nicholas. No, no, that that's the company that's publishing the game. Right, publisher. Yeah. Okay, I think it's. Yeah, they, they just, how'd you they pronounce just, that? Uh, I said Nicholas, but is that how it's? Because I've always I called it just Nicholas. And I was always with the, like, we're on a podcast of which I we know. don't. Know. We just <laughs> had an argument about yakuza, yakuza. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm so team here. So yeah, uh, this is kind of like a typical say, thing on the Rcast, honestly. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's easy. I'll say the publishers behind Runner Three. There, I'm covered. Oh, there, there you go. go. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> 
which is out today. I just never heard anybody say it, and I've always been like, Nicholas, Nicholas. I don't want to say Nicholas because who's Nicholas? Is he a new guy in the industry? Brought to you by Nicholas. Yeah. Thank you, Nicholas. Thank you. But hey, Nicholas, how about how about Guardian Heroes next? Right. Come on, Nick. But yeah, that is Nicaruga, and that's Obscura. And apologies to all guys named Nicholas. That was not intended. So uh, that's going to lead us now into our main topic here, which is going to be all about you guys here, Eon, uh, and as well as like this GameCube HDMI adapter that you have going on. So, um, w- like, so I, 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 you know, for for people who don't know what this is exactly, what would be like the elevator pitch that you would give? Well, I would first start with: Have you tried playing the GameCube on an HDTV or monitor? At all recently? I haven't. The results are kind of interesting. It's not that it's a bad looking picture, but it crams it. You know, uh, like the, the, or the stretches old it, right? Yeah. Oh. It, it gets very muddy, uh, kind of like a steaming pile of, of uh, trash. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. <laughs> We're so, talking about via composite. Right, exactly. This is all composite. So basically, the GCHD, what it is, it's a plug and play solution for all HDMI inputs, right? So what we try to do is essentially you're now able to plug into the, which model, the GameCube with the GCHD, extract the highest quality picture from the GameCube, from the original hardware, and put it through an HDMI you know, port so that you can actually have it on modern TVs with lagless input. So, uh, for instance, if you're streaming or playing Smash Melee, this solution would allow you to do that without having to degradize the the image quality or input lag is a huge problem. Uh, and you'll be able to essentially play it on all TVs, all yeah. HDTVs, all modern TVs, including 4K. Now, why would you guys do this? Do you think there was enough of an audience out there that wanted to see the GameCube transferred over to an HDMI-style format? Well, yeah, that's that's absolutely the case. I mean, if um, you know, for the GameCube fans that are out there, I'm sure many of us are aware of the uh, GameCube component cables, which was a limited-release product that Nintendo only offered via their online store, only for a portion of the time that the uh, that the GameCube was you know being sold at retail. Uh, yeah, and only in Japan. So these cables would allow the GameCube to display in a true 480p signal, which at the time, you know, this was 2001. Like, this is super early in TV's life. You know what I mean? Not a lot of people had HD screens that they were that they were playing on. It, yeah, it wasn't part of the market yet. So the component cables ended up kind of falling by the wayside. Nintendo stopped producing them. And then actually in later releases of the GameCube, they actually removed the digital AV port from the system. Ooh. So technically, the only way you know, for the longest time, the only way to get the best video quality possible out of the GameCube was to track down these super rare cables that, you know, retailed for upwards of $300. Like, these mm-hmm. things were incredibly rare. And the joke is, is that they were still component, which a lot of, like, new modern displays don't even have component inputs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Justin and I kind of saw this opportunity, and we were aware of some... Um, which call it some open source software out there called GC Video that was able to create a digital signal out of that component input and uh, and display in 480p like yeah. officially. So originally, yeah. actually, this was all happening. Like we had originally, so we heard of through the grapevines, and we're on the we're on the forums a lot because we're constantly looking for like ways to play our old consoles better, right? Um, we're I guess video and audio files in a way, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, the big thing here was that we saw we started seeing other people rise to the occasion. They're like, "Yeah, you know what? I can make this. I can make this thing perfect. I can make it great, right?" And we're like, "Okay, that's awesome. You know, here's some money." Um, first time it didn't happen, and we we're like, "Oh, 
well, I guess we just lost our money. Like we paid for something that we didn't get. Right, and it never showed up. (laughs) They they crowdfunded and then just never showed up. Uh, The next one was, you know, another one that came out, and we were really on, we were, this only happened last year, and we were like super psyched about this one. And when it finally came out, you know, we saw from a YouTuber that, uh, who got the, the product that, it, you know, it essentially damaged their console uh, irreparably. Right? I know. I remember this story. Metal Jesus Rocks, yep, right? That's yep. exactly right. Oh, that's what, what happened? happened to you. Okay. No, 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 no. Because we heard this story. A while back, we heard buddy Kinsey Burke on the show. And they, he apparently, Metal Jesus Rocks brought the system up at one point, And Kinsey was trying to get something. And she tripped. And the GameCube fell. And the adapter broke. And oh, she that's how such, it happened. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She, she got <laughs> such crap on Twitter over it. Be like, yeah. how dare you break this AC? Yeah. It was an accident, guys. She told me the story. I was like, how the hell? Like, how did that even happen? Like, I, I couldn't like like wrap my brain around it. It was just weird. Yeah, well, now, now you know. And and like I said, I don't blame Kinsey for this. It, it just obviously, it was an accident. It happens. You know, uh, we systems falling over all the time we don't blame kinsey god right, stop it. right. yeah <laughs> so so like after seeing that scenario you know like in both of these cases we're like you know we put money out for this product that we never ended up getting and then we, were super we about this other product, yeah and then we were super psyched about this other one that yeah. you know had this uh I, I guess vulnerability i don't know what the word is um but like because of that, we're kind of like, ugh, like you know, we were kind of like dissatisfied because we wanted what the products did, we're but like but there was so, yeah, there was some weird sort of uh, situations on both sides that prevented us from getting it. Hmm. Uh, so we looked at it as an opportunity, and we're like, man, like you know, what if we created something ver- like like Basically a finished went, product? You know, fuck this, we're gonna make it. I mean, we have the mini- we we have networks for manufacturing. We could do this. We've done this before. Just. Not for video games. This would be essentially our product into the for- this would be our foray into the gaming industry, providing a product like this. Mm-hmm. You know what? Let's just let's just do it. I mean, if we want it this badly, I'm sure there's got to be somebody out there who also wants it equally badly. Yeah, and the cow. I mean, like uh, you know, because I, I I remember like when when we met up like during like Pax East, and you like handed me like your like new new business card, and it was just like, oh, have have you checked out like this this new product that we have? I was like, uh, no, what's this? And you like you yeah. you like tell me about it. And I was next to our buddy Andre Tipton. Uh, who's like a big, big collector of all, of all, all things like old school gaming? Yeah. And so yep. he was, he his ears immediately perked. Was like, what's this now? GameCube? Like, I, I have to hear about this, you know? Yeah. So it, it immediately just kind of seemed to kind of grab people's attention. It's, it's an awesome product to boot. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, our, uh, I mean, our, our uh, so our third partner. There's three guys behind Eon. Our third partner, Alan. He's the one that manufactures, and he has the the network to essentially manufacture. He understands that world way better than we do. Mm. Um, but while we were working with him, essentially, like he came up with the idea of putting it into a GameCube box, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, it was so <laughs> this perfect. This is how it needs to be. Like, it's a great it, box, honestly. Yeah, so it's really good, really fancy. <laughs> that tells itself right there. Yeah, right. It, it's it's interesting because through both of our experiences with these other you know mod uh, solutions, we kind of realized that you know. Like the mod scene is interesting because they're creating really awesome groundbreaking stuff that affects consoles that we've loved, you know, for our whole lives. But the problem is the accessibility to that stuff. It, it, you know, there's a barrier there. It's either like you're, you know, sending money through like some kind of like weird platform that, you know, you might not be totally comfortable with. Or it's like, you know, you might not get the best customer service because it's just like on an individual one to one basis. Like a Wix site. Yeah. So <laughs> so when we so when we were looking at uh, developing the GCHD we're like how can we make this you know as accessible as possible make it a simple easy solution so and also allow people to feel protected and secure because mm. of all the terrible things that we've been a part of others <laughs> probably have also been a part of and I 
you, don't you took the that. brunt of that, basically. Of that case. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're we're going to figure it out. Yeah, so we, we just wanted to make a complete, all-together, you know, plug-and-play solution, like just a, a simple, like, all-in-one device, and, uh, and you that know, deliver it through a platform that was easy for people to find, yeah. you know, i.e. Amazon, so... Yeah. Now, here's my question, though. I mean, with, with testing a device like this, I, I'm sure there's got to be like all sort of circles that you run through. But we're talking about testing a device to make sure that it works properly. But I mean, like you guys didn't have like every GameCube game. Like you probably don't have a copy of BMX Triple X lying around. Or, no. or maybe you do. Maybe really? you do. I don't really? know. Oh, wait, <laughs> okay, fine. Okay, fine. You do you know me? Like... Yeah. <laughs> it, I, I have it too. It's fine. But um, I, I mean, like, what, what sort of testing process did you go through to assure that, you know, obviously it wouldn't make mistakes like previous adapters have done? Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, there's um, there is kind of a, a couple facets to it. I mean, first, like, like I personally collect GameCube games pretty extensively and I've tried, you know, 90% of, I guess what people would consider are like the, the, you know, most sought after most played titles on that system. So we were pretty diligent about making sure we try all of them. But, uh, Justin, you want to talk about our actual process? I mean, yeah. So again, with that security level, right, we wanted to make sure that we were able to ensure that these GCHCs works out of the box for everyone. Um, and so basically at the factory, so just so everybody knows, uh, we have, we, we we have three factories making individual parts of the plug and then co- conjoining together to put it together into the box, then test it, then ship it over to us. When, and we're also going, we're not going over, um, we're not going over sea, we're actually going over air, so it's a little bit more expensive. But that essentially kind of almost guarantees, almost guarantees that everything is working properly by the time it lands in the U.S. And when it gets here, uh, Justin and I sit down and we crack open some beers. And we start <laughs> plugging away each individual unit again here with multiple different games like Wind Waker, like Melee, like Soul Calibur. A lot of the times, actually, when we take breaks, we're playing Soul Calibur. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's like it, we want to make sure that it works properly. You know, you plug it in, you forget about it. That's that's what it should be, you know? Yeah, and, and that's absolutely an experience that we wanted to uh, have continue through the customer's entire process, right? Like even after they purchase the product, like we want to make sure that the best possible product is getting into our customer's hands and then also following up with them to make sure that, you know, all of their questions are, are answered. Yeah. Know? But to answer yeah. your original question, do we test it on every game? Uh, uh, no, <laughs> I'm sure that's an incredible process. Be like, how many copies of all-star baseball do we yeah, need exactly. to buy? <laughs> no, 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 Jesus. No, no, no. We definitely don't do that, but we do try to test it on all different types of compatible platforms. So we do have a few people, uh, a few partners over in uh, Europe who help test us out on uh, different PAL and PAL GameCubes, uh, trying to figure out the best way to essentially get out the best picture on PALs because PAL, it runs at a, uh, a 480i, 576. Uh, 576i. Yes, 576i, and it doesn't allow you to do progressive scan unless you kind of force it through some other means like um, you know, like an SD launcher or something like that or Swiss. But uh, with that said, like, again, it's like a, it's a community effort also, you know, it's like we, we only have so much resources. People understand that we're only three guys, you know, trying to make this work for everyone. And so with that said, a lot of people on Twitter are like, hey, by the way, did you know that the Wii U gamepad works with the Eon GCHD's IR <laughs> sensor? And then we're like, I love you. Uh, can I? use that and then tell everybody he's like yes please that's what happened you know great <laughs> yeah when you, when you discover the best features accidentally that's that's great it, Wait, yeah, right. like, it does hey yeah. now yeah. now obviously the uh you know like with with, with smash bros melee that's like you know, the the like the biggest game on, on the gamecube and like it, it seems like also that the uh that smash bros community has really embraced this product too uh like I, I, like I, I know you guys have gotten like some really good word of mouth like uh, you know just like within that community alone 
Yeah, it's uh, the melee scene has actually been uh, particularly interesting for us because we knew that you know most of the retro GameCube community now. I mean, there are plenty of us that just like collecting the games and playing the old stuff. But truly, the biggest group of people that are still playing their GameCubes is the melee community. And uh, when we found a solution, or when we created the solution that like allows them to play on HD TVs with no lag in a better resolution, you know, one of our first thoughts was, how can we? How can we get kind of like linked into that community? How can we sort of, you know, make a, a splash there? Yeah, that's when Twitter actually came in super clutch because one of our uh, one of the, the players who actually picked up a GCHD, I guess an early adapter, uh, it came out and then reached out to Hungrybox, number one Smash player in the world, Smash Melee player in the world, and was like, uh, hey, Hungrybox, what do you think? And the guy's like, hmm, I'll check into it. And I was like... Uh, I'll send you one right now. And he was like, oh, yeah, okay, deal. So that's how that relationship sparked. And then from there, uh, he then hit me up for his Overlords of Orlando uh, 2 um, session, or us, rather. Yeah, And at that point, we were like, okay, yeah, let's make this happen. So we we came together, pulled a bunch of units together, put it in a nice little, like, case, uh, stylized it for him, and then sent it over to him. Then we went over there to make sure the event ran well, and it ran really well, and now we're getting like some perked eyebrows over from uh, CEO uh, Alex Jabaley and and uh, hopefully Evo. You know, Evo we'll did no, Evo yeah. did tweet at us at one point and was like, if the community can like adopt this, then we would be in too. Yeah. So we're trying really hard. So <laughs> it's like th- there's a couple of different um, a couple of different things happening within that community. On the one hand, you have the players who are super dedicated to the CRTs because they want the most lag free, you know, original experience possible. Yeah. Um, but the reality of the situation is, is for a lot of these tournaments organizers uh this is the only game that requires crt tvs so they have to you know go out of their way to create special circumstances just to be able to support that game at their tournaments they're not like yeah and it's just like it is a lift you know what i mean it's it's a complication added for this specific game but because the community for the game is so passionate and there's still players really interested in playing it on the big stage you know we're looking at this as an opportunity to say hey like you know just in case, you know, in the situation where CRTs become too much of a lift, become too much of a burden uh, to, you know, to to deal with, to make sure that Melee is at these tournaments, you know, we have an alternative solution that supplies the same, if not better experience, the same meaning a lagless experience and better meaning at a higher resolution. So right. the game's going to look and play better than it has before. Easily um, streamable on all capture devices and easily played on all, you know, fast yeah, uh, lagless monitors. It, it's it's a super. We believe that it, this is a super attractive, uh, you know, situation for for tournament organizers. And I feel like you know it by creating opportunities for players to to try it and to see the difference and to know that it is a lag free experience. You know, it might continue to get the attention of these people, and we would love nothing more than to uh, help give melee you know a further life cycle. Yeah, because once CRTs are gone. I mean, they're pretty much gone them. now, anyway. Because I, I, I know right. that I, I know that the like po- the like the main parts that helps like run like CRT TVs like those are completely like gone now, and like or at least like the the manufacturers are no longer making them. Like I don't think anyone is making them anymore. So yeah. like yeah. Now, so now they're they're all they're kind of like on the clock now as far as like when they're going to be completely oh, yeah. gone entirely. Totally. Absolutely. You know. And then so we were talking to Hungrybox on the side, he was also thinking like, yeah, I mean, if the if at any point where CRTs were no longer like viable, people are paying. 
I don't know how much for storage of those things, and they're only coming out once in a while. Yeah, it's not really that economical. Yeah, so, you would need someone like to kind of custom make them for you, and that that's just not viable as far as kind of right, keep, exactly. to, to keep something yeah. around. We can't, we can't. We can't have nice things for Sega World. No <laughs> CRT <laughs> yes. TV. Yeah. I mean, what's next? Exactly. Are the Chalupas going away? You know, Taco Bell Chalupas. Maybe. Like, no. Yeah, yeah. probably are gone. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like you know, we just love these old consoles so much. It's like where our our history with gaming has come from. And the the unfortunate truth is that it will become harder over time to still engage with these platforms if they're not modernized in a way that allows us to use, you know, new modern displays with right. them. You know, it, it, it will become an inconvenience to play these and games. there's something to say. There's something said uh, or to be said about, like, dusting off your old console and being able to plug it in to an upgraded visual experience that more that's more modern for you now. Mm-hmm. And you're also playing on the original stuff, the original thing that you got when you were like seven, eight years yeah. old. You know, yeah. it the, feels better. The cool, the nice. coolest part about it for me is like I, a lot of people sometimes get the inclination to play a retro game, and they'll be like, "Oh, let me let me set up my old system on my TV," and they tend to not have a great experience because like you know they're dealing with all this input lag and this like muddy, squished image on their TV, and right. they're just like, "Oh, maybe this just isn't as good as I remember." But with something like the GCHD, you get to plug it in, and the game will be better than you ever remember. Remember before. <laughs> it, is, it is like it, it HDs your whole collection. You know uh, what I mean? The moment That's we great. saw F Zero, the moment we saw Metroid, the moment we saw Zelda, it was especially Melee. It was it was insane. We were just like, oh my god, we yeah. we made the thing. It, it completely rejuvenated my my entire library. Like I just wanted to put every game in to see how they would look <laughs> yeah. now. You know? That's oh great, my yeah. god, BMX XXX has never looked better. <laughs> <laughs> it, so, it <laughs> so so speaking of of every game on on, on GameCube, I figured this would also be kind of like a perfect opportunity for us to kind of gush about like our our favorite GameCube games as well. Um, and one game I do have to mention right off the bat, which we haven't mentioned yet actually on the show, is is Eternal Darkness. Uh-huh. Uh, Yes. So this oh. was a game I, I was actually originally going to, going to put on the stage of history, but I mean I couldn't leave out Melee or or, or, or like Wind Waker, so it you know, had to be left behind. But I, I do have to mention it here because uh, that is an amazing game, which I know. Um, God, like I, I know it has like all the like crazy kind of like insanity effects to it, like because like, you know the game has like an insanity meter. Like it's it's kind of it's kind of like a Resident Evil game in a lot of ways. It has like kind of tanky controls and uh, you know you, you kind of like, just move around, kind of like you know to uh, you know kill enemies and uh, also like solve puzzles and all that stuff. Uh, but the whole the whole uh, click with the, you know with, with that game or the whole gimmick, I guess you you, you could say, uh, is the whole like insanity meter and like how like yeah. it'll break the fourth wall on you sometimes because it'll you know all of a sudden it'll say like oh that it's deleting all your saves or it's changing. <laughs> Channel. It, 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 it's like changing channels on you or showing like ants on your TV screen, all that stuff. Um, one, one story I do have to share is uh, during college uh, with my friend Andrew. Um, he was playing the game and um, like, what was, uh, I, was, I was telling him to kind of go to like, the bathtub because there was like a bathtub there. And we, we already kind of experienced like a few of the crazy scenes in the game. It's just like... I, I I bet there's gonna be something crazy in that bathtub. I was like, just go to the bathtub, and so we like go there, and all of a sudden does the like kind of multi-camera angle, like zoom in, like doom 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 doom, shows like a dead body there. We both oh like, God, we, we, yeah. like, we both like like left left out of our seats, like knocking ourselves back. It's like whoa, <laughs> we just got, like we was kind of like, like crazy with that, but yeah, Dude, and, they, that, they killed it with the jump scares. They, they really did, yeah. Like and just like the overall vibe, and like you know again with the fourth wall breaking and all that stuff. It's just really really good. And um, it's it's just like a shame that there wasn't that spiritual sequel that came out, but 
maybe sometime down the road. But I was going to say, there's still time. There's still time. There's I think still time. But it, won't, it. it won't be, Dennis it won't Dyack, be Silicon though. Knights, though. Yeah, it, I mean, Dennis yeah. Dyack is done. I mean, if we get a studio that understands the value of the original game and puts its hearts and soul into a great follow-up, we could still get something like that. I mean, we, we've seen it before. If like a retro studios got a hold of that property or something, like oh my gosh, I think it, there could be there could it's be some everything really cool. at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there, there's always a possibility. We have studios that are picking up on spiritual sequels all the time. So Definitely. I mean, there there is that hope, you know, as, especially yeah. now that Silicon Knights is pretty much bit in the dust, and I still have no idea what the hell Two Human was. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a fair point. But uh, I mean, if we're if we're gonna talk about ideal experiences, I mean, on the one hand. You have the Metroid Prime games, one and two. Those were so really good. good. But if we're going to talk about something that was really mind-bending, let's talk about when Nintendo teamed up with Sega's AM2 division to make F-Zero GX. Bro. I freaking love this game. They made an arcade version, too, AX. I actually saw it at Circus Circus in Las Vegas, and that's the only thing that would make me go to Circus Circus in Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> but it was such an amazing game. Fast Dude, speed, <laughs> track design, so good. You know, this is why we haven't seen an F-Zero game since GX, because they they hit it. They, they made the perfect game. <laughs> they there, can't get know? better than this. I, I honestly don't think they could. That game is so fantastic. It really captures that sense of speed, you yeah. know, where you're just like, oh, it's almost out of your control how fast everything's going. Oh, God, it's so good, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it got hard too. It got really difficult in the later tracks. Like you would go flying off if you weren't careful. Yeah, and and like you know, I always forget how much depth there was to that game because not only did they have like the standard arcade mode, but they also had a full story mode, and they had like a car editor so you could make your own ships. Like there was so much to that game. It was just so great. Have you seen it on the GCHD, Rob? Because oh, you know, (laughs) I need to get one. Let's talk. Dude, <laughs> we will talk. Uh, yeah, that that is one of I would say like of all the games we've tested, that is easily in like the top five most dramatic improvements uh, when being when played on the GCHD. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> but yeah, like, games like that, you know, like I, I, I take a look at the Star Fox games and they were okay. But then you take a look at some like F Zero, and you know you're like mind bended at how amazing. It's moved up from F Zero X. It is just really something. So yeah, uh, it was just so cool. And uh, man, I, I want to play it now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah man, I, I want to play it now. If uh, I were to think of like one of my most formative experiences with uh, with GameCube, I mean, there's a lot of the the easy ones like Rogue Squadron or Luigi's Mansion. But I think the one game that I probably spent the most time with was uh, Fantasy Star Online. Mm. Uh, now I played it on the Dreamcast. But it was only when it came to the GameCube because that was like prime high school. Like I had four friends who were so into it. And all we would do is just get together and four players split screen Fantasy Star for days. I'm uh, talking like had split screen like on, on the GameCube. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even know that local, <laughs> local multiplayer. And it made that game magical. It was so much fun. Like I can't tell you how many hours I've put into that game over the course of my life. But, hmm. yo, the GameCube version was so, so good. Huge fan of that. Cool. I'll be there, 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 Chow. Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, obviously, Melee was the transformative thing for me back in the day. I wouldn't have my some of my closest friends today had it not been for Melee. 
Um, but I, I feel like we talked to Melee to death at the moment, so I would say my second most, uh, <laughs> I don't know, inf- uh, influential game that I've played on the GameCube was Animal Crossing. Uh, oh, I'm not okay. sure if you know about this mind-bending experience, Rob and Dave. But oh, I'm a little aware. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> a, l- a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something about Animal Crossing, it, like, it... It gripped me so much that I was like, man, this is this is great. I could just sit down and I could just relax like a fish. I could do whatever I want. There's really no purpose to this, but yeah. that's fine. Of course I want to deck out my house. This and of dog course is playing sister- a guitar over here. That's great. Yeah, right? <laughs> not really playing a guitar. Okay, just- word of advice, don't trust K.K. Slider. Just- <laughs> <laughs> Actually, murder. But no, I mean, it's, it's weird because like that game was so different for me. I never played any of the Harvest Moons before that, and I had never played like a simulation, a real sim besides like maybe sim... The actual game that's called Sim City, right? No, not just Sim City, but the Sims. Oh, the you know Sims what I mean? mm. But uh, when I started playing Animal Crossing, I remember I was so attached to that that when we would go on vacations, I was so happy that the game the GameCube had a handle because <laughs> like, I could take <laughs> it with me and I could play and I could see all the days that would you know that I would essentially miss by being on vacation. Who wants to go to the beach when you can go to the beach in Animal Crossing? I remember at that stage of my life being like, oh, when am I going to wrap up like family Thanksgiving so I can go see what's going on in Animal Crossing? <laughs> I got to do the events. I got to do the events. It was so weird. Uh, um, you know, while we're reflecting on great games, I want to talk about another one. Uh, this was actually shown to me during the GameCube launch. And up until that point, I really thought I knew what a good Star Wars game was. Mm. But then I played Rogue Leader, yeah. Rogue Squadron 2. And this oh, game... Yeah blew my flipping mind like yeah. somehow i got in the LucasArts suite you know and i was playing it for half an hour in a big screen tv and my mind was like exploding i was like i had to you know keep concentration on the game i was like holy shit holy shit holy shit yeah i was like that it was just so good the graphics the gameplay everything came together with it yeah. and it was just really something i i enjoyed the hell out of that you know and yeah. uh and then we got what was it uh rogue's What's the next one? Uh, it was Rebel Strike. Rebel Strike. Rebel Strike. And now yeah. they actually threw in the original Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back arcade games, yeah, which I thought was really cool. But yeah, yeah those games definitely get a shot. But um, we also need to put another game on the map here because it started on the GameCube, and that is Resident Evil Four. Bro, mm, oh my god, that's I was right. So Bro. Somebody to say something. Bro. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> Bro. Broski. Bro. That's, that, that's all we have to say. Bro. Oh, <laughs> Bro. That, like, totally, totally re... Like, completely changed the script on survival horror games in the best way possible. That game was mm-hmm. something else, man. Oh. I mean, it was clearly, like, the start of Resident Evil going more into the, the action realm of things, but it was kind of that perfect blend, really, of, like, the classic survival horror and action uh, without being too much of either, really. So it's mm-hmm. just kind of that, that perfect blend, really. The, the, the only thing I will knock the game on, though, is, like, the fact that uh, they had to protect the, the president's daughter, and she is, like, the one of the worst video game characters yeah. ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she is. <laughs> ever. Yeah. To be fair, there was a balance. We also got Ada Wong. We yeah. did, yeah. So she kind of balanced that out a little bit, although you did have to hang out with the president's daughter a bit more. <laughs> I mean, you could put her in dumpsters, though. That was like a you thing. Could, yeah, David, right? David, it's so. like dating. right where she belongs. <laughs> it's like dating. You deal with a bunch of you deal with a bad woman long enough, and then you meet the perfect girl. There you go. There you go. There I you would go. Know. You know what's funny when I when I go to revisit Resident <laughs> Evil Four? It's like I always forget 
just how like hokey that game was. Yeah. It is riddled with one-liners and terrible jokes and totally whacked out situations. Big like time. It, Big time. it really didn't take itself seriously, and I think the game really like benefited from that. You know, there there's a charm to it be, be, be because of that. Like especially like when you're trash talking with uh with like the little Napoleon guy, or whatever. Like yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Know, it's, just, it's just insane. Salazar. But, Salazar. That's what it was. Yeah. Goddamn. Yeah. Goddamn chainsaw, dude. Ugh, the chain- oh, the first time you see that, it's like, oh my god, you should like, chop my freaking head off. Like, <laughs> I think everybody has that moment where they're like, oh my god, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I-, I found it rather remarkable that he could carve into my skin, you know, I could take an herb and I'd be fine. Look at that. I guess exactly. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, so, that, that was a third party exclusive that was well worth the grab. I mean, yeah, for, oh, for a while there was until it came to PS2, but yeah, it, it was so amazing how Nintendo was able to convince Capcom to make it for their system first. Um, yeah, I mean, was, that that didn't convince Konami to make to let them make Metal Gear Solid the twin snakes for GameCube, too. Oh, that, was, that was a big special, one, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, what were you saying? Yeah, no, no, that's that's uh, you know, like you know, kind of just sharing like some some of our favorite GameCube games, which you can play on the GCHD, which uh, is on sale on Amazon, as you mentioned there. Um, uh, we'll, we'll also have a um, ha- you have like a link to uh, to like the main page, also like where you can pick up the GCHD in the show notes below. And uh, you, you guys are also on Twitter, I believe, uh, Eon underscore Gaming HD. That's, that's us. us. That's yeah. us. Uh, very cool. So definitely check that out if you're interested in uh, in, in, you know, in uh, upping your GameCube game, if you will. So a lot of cool stuff like on the horizon there. So uh, you know, awesome job like you know, with, the, with the product guys, and I, I hope it does like just gangbusters for you, honestly. Dude, thank you. Thank you so much. Like we really hope that everybody that gets just try it really loves it, and you know, reach out to us on Twitter. We got some some other cool stuff coming down the pipeline, which we can't talk about yet, but mm. definitely worth uh, checking out. Yeah, Can you do me a game. favor though? Can you program it to make the gameplay better for Kirby Air Ride? <laughs> uh, nobody can work that kind of magic. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> is that magical in the game. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're asking for too much there, Robert. <laughs> Sorry, I knew I was going too far. Yeah, but what we can ask for you though is uh, is for a GameCube. It's for a game code, right? <laughs> ask <laughs> me game for a GameCube. You're not getting my GameCube. Game. <laughs> I'll give you a game code, but you're not yes. getting my game. <laughs> so the game code I have this week is for an action adventure game called Overgrowth. Feel like this star of a martial arts film and overgrowth as you jump, kick, throw, and slash away to victory. Free the rabbits from their evil overlords in the main story, then play through the prequel story, and finally, try out nine years of mods developed by the community or create your own. You are the ultimate kung fu rabbit in overgrowth. And here's the Steam code. It is 7D0GM 3GCTA HK5KG That is for overgrowth on Steam. Enjoy. Choose your character. That's going to lead us now to the part of the show called Random Select. So this is a yes or no 15 question game to guess which video game character that I am this week. Uh, so basically, it's going to be the Justins and Robert teaming up to try to uh, you know to uh, you know to guess which video game character I am. Um, if after five questions you don't get it, I'll give the first hint. If after ten questions you don't get it, I'll give the second hint. And if after fifteen questions you guys don't get it, then it's game over, as Raul Julia oh. would say. So I remember last time I did this, I uh, was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Prepare to be terrible all over again, there, child. Thanks a lot. Indeed. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. So you guys can go ahead there with the first yes or no question. I'll just go ahead and get this out of the way right now. Did you have a game on the Nintendo GameCube? Yes. Okay, but let's see. If that settles it. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Um, is it a male or a female character? We can't do that. You oh, yes or no? Yes or no? I'm sorry. Uh, is is it a guy? <laughs> 
Yes. Uh, I'm going back to my like guess who questions. <laughs> uh, does this guy have glasses? Hmm. Uh, uh, hmm. I don't know if I'll classify this <laughs> like as glasses. If you're glasses. looking at his face, are there things on his face that could be glasses? Yes. I'll say I think that, I, yes. I think I already know who it is. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. See, I knew I was the worst at this game. You, you go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to wait. Uh, is this person a superhero of sorts? I don't know if I'll... Cl- uh, maybe. Uh, you know what? I wouldn't classify him as a superhero. Okay. Okay, okay. David, it's yes or no. It's not maybe. <laughs> just yeah. uh, just okay. no, I'll let you go ahead. I'll, I'll say uh, no. Does this character have a sword? No. All right. So that's five questions right there. So the first hint is look both ways before crossing my home turf. Sonic. Mm. <laughs> you got it. Uh, <laughs> must be Sonic. Look both ways before crossing mm. my turf. Are you an Animal Crossing character? No. Mm. Good guess, though. Does your character wield any sort of weapon? No. Oh, wow. Mm. What? <laughs> Say uh, what? <laughs> before crossing How many questions are we at? Uh, you're at seven now. Okay. And it's a character we we distinguished as it was a male. Try to, to ask something genre related. A guy oh. that could be wearing glasses, mm. right? But look back. Hmm. Wait a second. No I weapon. I think I know who it is oh, now. Back up. I think I know who it is again. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> is he a captain? Yes. Yes. Oh! <laughs> are you Are you Captain Olimar? <laughs> wow. No, no, I know who it is. Yeah. Okay, fine. You, but, listen, it was my turn. Laugh. I drew a thought. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> do it. You know who it is. Go. Is, is it like if I guess wrong, am I like out for keeps? No. Yeah. No. Okay. okay. That really? Can you do that? Because I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> okay. Uh, is it Vise from Skies of Arcadia? No. Damn. Right. Oh, you guys are not getting it's it here. So that, that's that's ten is now. It Captain, it's a Captain that's Falcon. that's oh, wait, that's, right. that's ten right now. That's ten. So I'll give the, the last tent here is your moves. Show them to me now. Yes. Yeah, I do this. How did you guess, Casper? That was so dumb. It's it's Captain Falcon. Did I yes. Win? <laughs> Captain <laughs> Falcon. <God. laughs> I, I heard Captain. I immediately thought Omar for some goddamn reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that's not my fault. Yeah, okay. like I, oh, but he wields a weapon. He did, that oh, was, uh, he has. He has yeah, he, he's got that. Falcon Punch. That's a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His fists are a weapon. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So yeah, you got, you, you, all that matters. We won. Yeah, you guys got, got Captain Falcon there. So you got Falcon Punch there. Your way to victory. So awesome job. Sweet, the greatest. That was yeah. I thought it was going to be something really obscure. I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of why I shot for Olimar. Because yeah. you know he squints, so how do we know he doesn't work on it? That was that's a good guess. That was a good guess. I mean, I got laughed out of the room, but it was a good guess. Sure. Yeah, very good. <laughs> <laughs> very, good very good. So that, that's pretty much at the end of the show right there. Is there anything you guys want to throw out there before we close up shop? Uh, I think the last thing I would just say is if you guys if you guys have any questions. Well, one, thank you so much for having us. Seriously, thank you so much. This is yeah. really awesome. Yeah. It's our and pleasure, you, man. If you, uh, if you do ever want to, uh, I'm talking to the audience, if you guys ever want to hit us up, hit us up at uh, Eon underscore Gaming HD. Um, we're on Twitter all the time. Well, I'm on Twitter way too much. But uh, at <laughs> the same the time, time, if you guys ever decide to uh, you know, supercharge that GameCube and get the best visuals that you possibly can out of your original hardware, 
that's all our domain gchd find us on amazon let us know uh what you think um and uh, that's about it yeah and definitely don't be shy about asking questions if you have any questions about the the product how it works or anything like that please hit us up oh yeah and also if you have if you want you can reach us at eon uh, eon gchd at gmail.com for any cool. And uh, before I close out, I just want to say uh, Momocon is happening this weekend in Atlanta, and the good people of Atlanta have invited me down to be a part of the show. On Saturday at 4 p.m. their time, I will be uh, part of a panel called Breaking into the Game Industry. I'll be sitting alongside a number of our experts, a uh, few people I still have yet to be confirmed, but it will be live streamed on Twitch. I will share that on my social channels at twitter.com slash DCD, also on Facebook, so you can tune in and watch me act like an ass. It's going to be amazing. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so watch you instead of like hear you act like an ass in this case. <laughs> both. It'll have audio. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of both in that case. Um, so yeah, like, and also if you want to follow the ArtCast on Twitter, we are at ArtPodcast. Same thing for Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash podcast and if you want to follow me on twitter it's at the guilty man well, follow me on twitter it's at twitter.com slash the dcd you can also catch my work at comicbook.com slash gaming like i said i did just post my Mega Man legacy collection one and two review if you want to see what i think indeed and we are also a partner with don't feed the gamers so be sure to check them out at don'tfeedthegamers.com that's run by our good friend liana ruppert so be sure to check them out for all your fan-driven gaming news and reviews and whatnot uh, also, if you want to send us any like uh, any questions, any like feedback, any like retro games you want us to cover, or anything at all, really, you could email us at rcast at retrozap.com. And be sure to check out retrozap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts, especially the Star Wars variety. There is Brews and Blasters, Kanada's Castle, Skywalking Through Neverland, uh, Stars of Sabers and Scoundrels. There's also Beltway Bonthas, which is really cool because it combines both Star Wars and politics. So if you're both minds, it's definitely the podcast for you. There's also the Animaniacast. So if you're a big Animaniacs fan, there's definitely the podcast for you. And there also Rob Paulson approved. There's also the uh, the Deucecast movie show. So just like the title suggests, they are a movie podcast and they've been doing it for over 300 episodes now. So they definitely know what they're doing over there. And there's also the Tech to Retro Dads. So if you love old school stuff, and of course you do because you listen to the Rcast, you love the Tech to Retro Dads because they cover stuff in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Not only just video games, but also toys, commercials, things like that. And yeah, there's also us with Rcast. So be sure to find us on iTunes. Give us five stars. Subscribe and tell your neighbors. We're also on uh, Stitcher and also Google Play Music. So there's absolutely no reason to not listen to the Rcast. And yeah, that's episode 112 of the Rcast right there. And until next time, keep it retro. Bro. Bro. <laughs> Bro. Bro. <laughs> Thanks, like, you know, yeah, you know, we had a great show when, you know, like the best all right, best conversation we could have is, bro, bro, yeah, bro. bro. It's, it's like not uh, intentional. It's just like my guttural <laughs> reaction. So many times on our podcast that the rest of our crew also does the whole like bro I've been like publicly a, shamed yeah. for the bro. <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. Welcome, welcome to the broadcast on this week's episode. Do you bro enough? That'd bro. be a good name right there, also the broadcast. That'd be pretty sweet. Wow. Wow. Can There's I something just, there. I'm going to throw this out real quick. Rob. So it was really funny, but when we first started doing the GCHD, we gave one over to Jake James over Coalition, and mm-hmm. then I saw you mention something on his Twitter that was like, what is this thing? And I was like, oh my god, worlds are colliding right now, what is happening? <laughs> I know. worlds collide! I, I was really hoping that you would reach out for like a review, uh, like unit, well, and just be like, just be like, hey, I was just wondering, like, would you want, and I was gonna be like, Rob, it's me! It's me! <laughs> Well, I'm following you on Twitter now, so the secret's out. Yes. Oh, there you yes. go. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Thank you. This was a lot of fun, guys. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, awesome. that was a lot of fun. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs>
Heya! I'm Chris Wilson. And I'm Dylan Gregory. And we host Backstage Gaming, a weekly podcast about video games and storytelling. We both play pretend professionally. Sometimes on stage with other people. And sometimes alone in a soundproof room. So join us every Monday while we talk about games, acting, and how a story comes together. Backstage Gaming. Dramatic takes on your favorite games. Part of the HP Video Game Podcast Network.